wake up. Jesus Christ is coming back. God is on the move. How many of you know the Bible said Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I read in this Bible, I find that what he's on the move. Go back to the book of Genesis before when the earth was without form and void. What did it say? That the spirit of the Lord hovered upon the face of the God has always been on the move and he is still on the move today even in 2021. I believe God is on the move. Somebody give God praise if you still believe that today. Amen. If you'll just remain standing, kids can be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. 1 Kings chapter 21 is where we'll be going this morning. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 1. We're going to read four verses of Scripture. I'm going to be reading from the NIV this morning. Book of 1 Kings chapter 21. As you're turning there, I told the 9 o'clock service, I don't want y'all to feel left out. I'm reminded sometimes of a story that Jerry Clower. Now I look around and this service is a little bit younger uh, than than the first one. How many of you ever know, heard Jerry Clower before? You remember Jerry Clower? He told a story one time of a pastor. He had just finished seminary. Him and his wife had just got married, and uh, they were moving into the Baptist church there uh, in Liberty, Mississippi. And uh, they were moving there into the parsonage, just getting started in life. And the wife said, honey, I just, just asked one thing. I'm, gonna, I'm following you in this call. We're in this together. There's just one thing that I'm asking you. He said, yes. She's like, I've got this box. And I would just want you to just leave this box. It's my, it's my private place, my private things. This is my box. Please just don't look in this box. He said, sure, honey, sure. Well, they went on for years, probably 40, 45 years. They were getting close to retirement. And one day, she, she had went to the store, and, and the pastor, the, the devil just got a hold of him or something. He just couldn't take it after 40-something years. He, he walks over into the living room to that box that is sitting there that he never looked in before, and he opens this box up. And there, this box is just filled with cash, and there are three eggs sitting on top of that cash. Well, she gets back a little while later, and, and he says, Honey, I'm sorry. All these years, I've never looked in that box, but I just couldn't help it. While you were gone, I looked in the box. He said, I saw the money, and I saw the eggs. He's like, What in the world does that mean? She said, Well, long time ago when we first started out, she said, Every time you would preach a bad sermon, I would put an egg in that box. And, and he said, well, hallelujah, praise God. He's like, after all these years, only three bad sermons. She said, honey, I don't think you understand. She said, every time I'd get a dozen, I'd sell the eggs. That's where all that cash came from. <laughs> Sometimes I look around our house to see if there's a box of money anywhere, but I hope today is not one of those where she would put an egg in it. First Kings chapter 21. How many of you know a merry heart doeth good like a medicine? You need to laugh once in a while. First Kings chapter 21, verse 1. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard. 
to use for a vegetable garden since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you for whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, don't sell out. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you and praise you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house together. Lord, we just pray for this time as we come to break the bread of life together. Lord, I know that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which has been set forth to do. But Lord, I need your help. I ask for your anointing today from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought and speech that is so necessary. And I pray for those that are listening, that you'd open their hearts, minds, and spirits, that they would be receptive to what you have for them here today. Lord, I give you praise and thanks in advance for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in the house said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Ahab is called by Scripture the most wicked king to ever rule Israel. We find that he was the king of the northern kingdom for 22 years. If you're not familiar with the story and the history of Israel, you can read throughout your Bible and you find that Israel, after the time of Solomon, was divided. Solomon's son came to power, made a grave mistake, and that's another sermon for another day. But after that, the kingdom was split in two, the northern and the southern kingdom. We find that Ahab was king of that northern kingdom for 22 years. And besides being the most wicked king to ever rule Israel, probably Ahab's biggest claim to fame was not even about Ahab himself. It was about his, I guess you could say, worser half. Her name is Jezebel. How many have ever heard Jezebel before? If you've been in church very long, you've heard the name Jezebel. He was married to her. She promoted the worship of Baal. She was she was not an Israelite. Uh, Ahab went outside of the nation of Israel to marry her, and because of that, she began to bring in the worship of Baal. We find that she killed prophets of the Lord. In fact, not only did she kill prophets, but she even threatened the life of one of the most powerful prophets that ever walked the face of the earth, a prophet named Elijah. She threatened to kill him. And anytime we think about the name Jezebel, we know that it is a name that is synonymous with sin. Anytime you say Jezebel, it doesn't give you that warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside. Absolutely not. In fact, it's the opposite. It gives you a feeling of coldness. It makes you think about wrongness and sin. Now, I know there's a few scattered around the sanctuary today that you are, you like me, or have been in this thing long enough that you know that in the church, you know, the name Jezebel a lot of times used to refer to makeup 
makeup. If there's a woman that we thought wore too much makeup or looked like that, she was a Jezebel. But Jezebel, this name, she's always been synonymous with sin and always been negative. In fact, Jesus himself in the book of Revelation references Jezebel when addressing the church at Thyatira of their tolerating of sin. Now remember this, that Jezebel, the woman, was only that. She was only a human being and she eventually died. But behind Jezebel was a spirit and that spirit is still at work in the world today. In fact, as I just mentioned, you can go to the book of Revelation and you'll find Jesus talking about it even there, that it is that spirit. Can I just take one moment this morning and remind us that what we face, the battle that we're facing today is not against people. My enemy is not a person. My enemy is a spiritual enemy. In fact, we know the New Testament tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual forces in high places. You see, I just need to let somebody know here today that if you are a child of God, that your enemy is not a person. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not that co-worker that gives you fits. Your enemy is not another person of flesh and blood. But your enemy is the enemy and the spirits of hell that are working against you. You see, any time we examine Ahab or Jezebel in the Old Testament, they are clear representations of the enemy to us today. Aren't you so thankful for a book like the Bible that is thousands of years old, but it is still relevant Today And as we read it, we find that the relevancy to us is we're not fighting a wicked queen named Jezebel, but she represents the enemy that we are very well still fighting in 2021. In our text, we find that Ahab wants something that Naboth has. We started this out in chapter 21 of the book of 1 Kings, and we find that Ahab had a neighbor named Jaboth. And Jaboth had something that Ahab wanted. He wanted Naboth's vineyard. He was covetous of Naboth's vineyard, and he wanted it no matter the cost. You see, I believe that just in the spiritual principles of things, that just like Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard, that the enemy of our soul wants to steal from us. In fact, Jesus told us that the enemy has come to do what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. I've got to remind you today, church, that there is an enemy that wants to steal from you. Just as Ahab wanted the, the wanted Naboth's vineyard, the devil wants to steal things from you. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your health. He wants to steal your anointing. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your children. He wants to steal your grandchildren. He wants to steal anything that is good, anything that is a blessing to you. The enemy of your soul and mine wants to steal those things from us. Ahab wanted so desperately to take 
Naboth's vineyard. And in this message, I want us to examine just a few quick truths from this story. I know that there's food up in the Family Life Center, and y'all are hungry, and you're ready to go eat there. But I'm going to give you just a few quick things if y'all will bear with me. And most of the time, I am. One of those preachers, it's not nothing new, but most of the time, if you'll help me out, give me a few amens, I'll preach shorter rather than longer. Somebody say amen. (laughs) I knew that'd get y'all going. If you're taking notes, number one is Naboth had something of great value. Naboth had something of great value. You see, there are some things that we have that aren't that valuable, and they're just simply not worth fighting for. An, an old saying that uh, Jamie's old principal, that he's now the superintendent of the George County School District, Wade Whitney, used to tell them all the time, the staff and the students, he used to say, you can't throw rocks at every dog that barks. Some of, some of y'all, you're going to get it in a second. You can't throw rocks at every dog that barks. Can I say it like this? Choose your battles wisely. Now, let me just say this. I'm appreciative. I I can appreciate somebody that's got some fight in them. You know, I'm glad that there are people that's got some fight in them. Uh, Can I just say this this morning? I'm thankful for men and women right now that are wearing uniforms that are protecting our nation and our freedom. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for people that's got some fight in them. I'm thankful for people that that's, that they're not going to just lay down and give up. They're not going to just lay down and roll over. They're not going to quit. They've got some fight, some tenacity on the inside of them. I'm thankful for that. But listen, sometimes we can get caught up in stuff, and sometimes we get into fights over something that ain't even worth fighting over. There are some things in our life that it is just not worth fighting over. Say, what is it? Well, I'm going to tell you this. You know, pride, your pride is not worth fighting over. I told you all I'd get quicker if you all helped me out just a little bit this morning. I said, pride is not worth fighting over. You know, most of the time, conflict always comes from pride. Somebody says something to me. Somebody offends me, makes me think I'm, you know, says something to make me feel like or seem like I'm less macho or less of a man, and it offends me and it hurts my pride. Listen, folks, that choose your battles wisely. August the 4th of this year, Jamie and I will have been married for 20 years. Somehow she's put up with me for 20 years. And I've learned something, thankfully, in 20 years, that every battle is not worth fighting, that I've got to pick my battles wisely. I see some husbands saying, Amy, you're not wanting to say it too loud. You're wanting to be careful there. But let me just give you a little bit of free marriage advice right now. Choose your battles wisely. Everything ain't worth fighting about. 
Make sure that the battles that you fight are worth fighting about. It goes all across our lives. Choose your battles wisely. Don't just be ready to fight over everything. Can I say this? I try to be careful because I've come to realize over the past couple years especially that I don't want to say stuff that, that would turn people off to me preaching the gospel by me preaching my opinions, but I'm going to give you gospel right here. We've come to a place where we're all about fighting, but we ain't about peacemaking. And this book right here tells me, blessed are the peacemakers. I believe, church, that we have been called to be the peacemakers of the world. We always ready to fight somebody. My God, if we would turn that fight toward the devil and turn some peacemaking toward everybody else, I believe that we can make some headway in this thing. Y'all getting hungry. Y'all helping me out now. I can see it. You see, Naboth's vineyard was something, however, of great value and great importance. Look back with me, our text, chapter 21, verse 3. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So let's look at this, okay? Because in this day and time that we're reading this story, people in Israel did both buy, sell, and trade property. That wasn't something that was unusual. So what here was the significance then that Ahab would that, excuse me that Naboth would say to Ahab, "I'm not going to sell you the inheritance of my father." Well, I believe it's this that it was really not about the land or the property at all, but it was about what was contained on the property, and that was a vineyard. Everybody say a vineyard. You see, in Scripture we find that vineyards represent spiritual fruit that we are to be producing through the flowing of the Holy Spirit. And through us as, the, as connected to Jesus Christ, because Scripture tells us that He is the vine and we are the branches. And in our connection to Jesus Christ as the source, that we are supposed to produce spiritual fruit we're supposed to be fruit-producing people, producing spiritual fruit for the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit being connected to Jesus Christ. Now, I never knew a whole lot about vineyards. Still can't say that I'm some big expert or anything. But in preparation for this message, I did a little bit of research about vineyards, and I want to give you, I'm going to call it a few fun facts about vineyards. Are you ready for it? Number one, it takes three years after planting to produce grapes. You plant a vineyard, it's going to take you possibly about three years before you ever get a grape. Now, Friday night, I drove up to Houston me and Molly Kate did, and we went and we ate hamburgers with mom and daddy. And my daddy has planted along with my aunt and uncle. They're here sometimes. You've probably seen them. And, and my cousin uh, over on their area of the farm up in Houston, they've been planting some corn. Not just corn, but some sweet corn. Mm, somebody say amen. 
and, and I asked him Friday, I said, how is the corn looking? Because I'm going to tell you all, I love some good, fresh corn on the cob. There ain't nothing like it. Taking that corn, putting it in the steamer, getting it good and steamed, and then taking some butter and just lathering that corn down and just going to town on some corn. I'm getting y'all hungry now, ain't you? (laughs) Well, here's where I'm going with this, not just getting you hungry. Maybe this will make you amen a little more as you're getting more and more hungry. But here's the deal. I asked Daddy, I said, hey, how, how's it looking? He said, it's, it's just now coming up off the gra- out of the ground. He said, I put it a little too deep. He said, but it's going to be, you know, it's coming up. It's looking good. So about July, I'm going to be heading up there, and you better believe I'm going to be getting me some corn. Now, they planted it several weeks back, about a month around March, and you get a harvest in July. How many of you here, you have any kind of garden or anything? You got some tomatoes, you got some beans, you got, got a few hands. Got, you got some something in, and you planted it. You've already planted it, and here come at, at, at July or so, you, you're going to be getting some fruit from what you have planted. But stay with the preacher here. Well, I'm talking about a vineyard, and a vineyard, it may be three years before you ever See a grape. I'm about to get spiritual for a second. I know I got you hungry physically, but I'm about to get spiritual. You see, here's what happens in the spirit. Sometimes we plant stuff. Sometimes we're sowing seed. Sometimes we're watering. Sometimes we're weeding. Sometimes we're taking care of it. And we feel like, like me, it got planted. That corn got planted in March and July. I'm gonna be eating corn. But sometimes, spiritually. You may not ever see fruit for years. You planted, you planted, you've taken care of it, and you were expecting. We we get so impatient, don't we? I didn't give this to the 9 o'clock service, but I'm going to give it to you this morning. One of the things that I always like to say is that we are a microwave society, and we serve a crockpot God. We want it now. We want it right now. We'd like to have had it five minutes ago. We used to sticking it in the microwave for a minute and a half and it being red. But God don't operate that way, folks. We are a microwave society serving a crockpot God. God don't operate that quickly. And just as we see in the vineyard, there are spiritual seeds that we will sow. And it may be years before we ever see the fruit. But God sent me by here today to Starkville Church of God on this last Sunday in April of 2021 to just encourage somebody. You have sown some seed. You have watered some seed. And you are discouraged because you You haven't seen it yet, but just hold on. Just like a vineyard, there's some crops that it doesn't just come up overnight. There's some crops that don't just come in four or five months. There are some crops that it takes years and years to keep on praying over and keep on fasting over and keep on believing over. But I serve a faithful God, and if you'll be faithful to him, you will receive a harvest. Come on and give God praise. If you believe it today. Fun fact number two about vineyards. I like this one. Because 
I'm, I find myself right in the middle now. Young vines set more fruit than they can ripen. As they age, vines learn to self-regulate. Yields come into balance and grapes ripen more evenly. I'm going to say that one more time because I want you all to get this. Young vines set more fruit than they can ripen. As they age, vines learn to self-regulate. Yields begin to come into balance. And grapes ripen more evenly. I'm going to talk to some young folks for a minute. Sometimes in our zeal, and I told you I love this because I feel like I'm getting right in the middle of this thing right now at my age. Many times, young people, we get so much, we just want to pile it on, pile it on, pile it on. And that's exactly what vineyards do. Young grapevines put out too much fruit, and the fruit is the grapes are not ever able to ripen properly. But we have got to learn to regulate ourselves. You know, sometimes we think in this society that we're living in that the more stuff we've got going on, the better it is. Absolutely not. Let me tell you this. I'd rather do three things very well than 30 things halfway. You see, I believe that if we take a lesson from a vineyard, we find as we get older that we're going to do, we're going to determine God has called me to do this. God wants me to do this. And I'm going to make sure that I don't get too much junk on my plate. Come on, young people. If there's anything I believe that COVID did for a lot of young families, it was to slow them down and help them realize they, their kids don't have to be. They don't have to be in softball and baseball and football and basketball and croquet and water polo. They don't have to be in it. You don't have to be at every game. You don't have to be going all the time. Sometimes we got to learn to regulate, let everything come into balance and do a few things very well instead of a whole bunch of things not well. Third fun fact. I'm running out of time. Maintenance is necessary. Vines must be pruned. There are some, some things that you can just put out there and they're going to grow. And you never have to maintain them a lot. But a vineyard is not one of those things. A vineyard requires maintenance. Folks, let me tell you, we, we know that life requires maintenance. Can I tell you this? Your relationship with the Lord requires maintenance. It requires prayer. It requires getting in the Word. Oh, and dare I say it, I believe it requires coming to church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, even much more as you see the day approaching. I believe that our relationship with God requires maintenance for it to be healthy. If you want to be a fruit producer, it's going to require maintenance. And here, you ready for this? As I've already said, sometimes there's got to be pruning. And pruning is painful. 
pruning went now. We, we know when we go out there, how many of you ever cut back some bushes or cut back some trees, you know? And here's, here's the beautiful thing. I, I've seen it before many times. You, you, you have an old scraggly bush, and it's got just a few green on it, but it just looks like it's going to die. And you know what wouldn't, you know, to their logical mind, it wouldn't make sense to cut a whole bunch of stuff off of it. You think, Lord, it's only got a little bit as it is. That's in our, yes. <laughs> I'm getting some amens. <laughs> and it would make sense to us, like, I can't cut that little bit off. But we know through experience that if we do begin to cut it back and prune it back, what happens? More than it had before begins to bud and bloom and come out. You see, sometimes God does the painful thing and he prunes our life. Sometimes God cuts stuff out of our life that we thought, oh God, that's all I've got right there. I don't want to see that go. That's precious to me. But God Almighty in his infinite wisdom will put the hedge trimmers to us and begin to prune back and cut back. And it's painful in the beginning, but in the end, we we find that after that, God begins to bless more and we begin to bloom more. God begins to do more than we ever have. I'm telling you that it requires maintenance and it requires pruning. Somebody say amen. Y'all are getting hung. Y'all are getting louder. Y'all are getting hungry as it goes on. Don't worry, I truly am almost done. Thirdly and finally, if you're taking notes, this vineyard represented heritage to Naboth, and he wasn't willing to sell out. I need to let you know today that I am not willing to sell out my godly heritage. I know that everybody can't say it. This is, listen, I know there's some out there that can't, but I am very, very blessed. I have a mama and a daddy that made me go to church every time the doors were open. Can I just get on my soapbox for just a minute? It's 11.55. I got just a few minutes left. I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a minute. Let me just tell you what happened to Dennis Laughlin when I was coming up. There was not a choice for me if I was going to go to church or not. It didn't matter if I wanted to spend the night on Saturday night with somebody. Either they went to our church and they were, I was going to just come to church with them or I was going to have myself up and I was going to be ready and they's going to pick me up and I would be at church on Sunday morning. Let this preacher preach for just a minute. As a pastor, it has baffled me over the years when I have heard parents and they have said, well, you you know, little Johnny just didn't want to come to church today, so we just let him stay home. Little Susie wanted to go and, and do this, and so we just, what in the world are you talking about? Jeff and Cammie never gave me an option when it was Sunday morning, go to church time. Dennis Laughlin was going to be there. He's going to be, I didn't have an option. My God, I'm telling you, it's time for some parents to once again stand up. If they live Listen, I told them a long time ago, if you're living under my roof and you're sitting at my table, you don't have the option of going to church. You're going to come to church when I say you're going to come. It's time for mamas and daddies to stand up in some holy boldness again and say you are going to church whether you want to or not. 
Dear Lord. See, I'm, I've got a heritage. My parents raised me that way. They raised me in church. They raised me to love the Lord. I'm not going to sell out. There have been people that have sown prayer and efforts into my life. There, there is a lady. Her name is Janet Price. I worked with her when I was in college. And, and she still works in the World Missions Department. And every once in a while, she'll send me an email or a message on Facebook and tell me, I'm still praying for you. She said, back, back now over 20 years ago when I was working there, she said, the Lord laid you on my heart to pray for, and I'm still praying for you every single day. Listen, folks, I have got too many people have invested in me for me to quit now. Some of y'all sitting here, you've had mamas, you've had daddies, you've had grandmas and grandpas that have sown and invested and prayed over you. You just cannot quit. Do not give up on your godly heritage. I've had too many preachers. I, I, I could say one. I said in the 9 o'clock service, Pastor Hank Anderson, when I was just starting now, and I ain't a great preacher now, but I sure wasn't a great preacher then. Gave me a shot. Let me come up to Water Valley and preach. Other pastors in the state gave me opportunities to preach when I wasn't nobody and couldn't even really preach very good. They sowed into my life. They took a chance on me. They gave to me. Folks, I have come too far to turn back now. I have had too much put into me for me to turn back at this point. I have got a heritage that I'm not willing to give up. There are those that have blazed a trail ahead of me in the faith. I don't take it lightly where I am now. I don't take it lightly that a hundred or so years ago, right here in the United States of America, Pentecostal churches weren't the church sitting on the hill located next to the university and very valuable property. No, we was the church on the other side of the tracks. I don't take it lightly that pastors and members cooked chicken dinners, faithfully gave out of the little they had to buy properties, build sanctuaries, establish churches. I don't take it lightly, those that blazed a trail ahead of me. I don't take it lightly all the way back into the book of Acts. The apostles that preached that were burned alive at the stake, boiled alive in hot oil. I don't take it lightly, the heritage I have in my faith. And I am not willing to sell out my faith for anything that the enemy has to offer. What? Is your faith worth to you? As musicians come and take their places. I want you to think about that. What is your faith worth to you? Unfortunately, I, I've been in, not unfortunately, I've been in church. I have been in church all of my life. And as a pastor especially, 
I have now, unfortunately, seen people that have been willing to sell off their faith for a little bit of anything. Pastors that have sold off their ministry and their heritage for one night of pleasure. Am I getting too real with y'all this morning? Unfortunately, I have witnessed and I have seen church members that have sold off their heritage for a job or a promotion that pushed them out of the will of God. Now, please don't get me wrong. If you know this, and I'm going to preach in a few weeks if the Lord lets me. I'm going to preach about, listen, some of the most godly people. Abraham, Abraham was filthy rich, but his riches didn't control him. What I'm talking about, you can live in the blessings of God, but you can't let the blessings of God control you. And unfortunately, I have seen it. I have seen it where somebody accepted a job. They knew, they knew it was going to take them out of church. They knew it was going to take them out. They weren't going to be able to be involved in church like they were. They knew it was going to begin to pull them out of the way. Mm, I'm going to preach just a little bit more. Oh, I've seen it. And then when they was broke, son, they loved Jesus. They was at church every time the doors were open. But once they get a little bit of money, oh, they need to relax. They really need to take the boat out to the lake. Not going to be able to make it to church this Sunday. I'm doing some preaching whether y'all know it or not. I've seen it. People that have sold out their relationship with the Lord, their godly heritage for money, for pleasure, whatever it may be. So I ask, I come this morning with a question to you. What is your relationship with the Lord worth? This vineyard, I told you, this it was the vineyard. Don't sell out. It was the vineyard. It wasn't even the, it wasn't even the dirt that was the value. It was the vineyard. Representing that heritage. Representing what his, what his fathers had. Remember, I said that it had to be maintained. It had to be taken care of. Years and years and years. What is your faith worth to you? I mean, you can go back. Esau, he gave up his birthright for what? A bowl of soup. What is your faith worth to you? Stand with me if you will. I believe God is calling us. He's calling us to not sell out our faith. To not sell out our relationship with the Lord. So here's the altar call I want to give. I'm not going to beg, plead, pump, or prime. But if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't want to sell out. I want to hold on to my relationship with the Lord. I want to hold on to the godly heritage. This, But maybe, maybe you're even a first-generation Christian. I don't know. But you're starting it. You're starting it. Don't sell out what you've already got. If that's you, you say, I want the Lord to help me. I don't want to sell out. Would you just come to this altar right here? Just find a place. Just find the place right here. 
these altars are open right now. If you say, Pastor, that's, I don't want to sell out. I want the Lord to help me. I want to hold on to Him. I don't want anything. Listen, some of you now, some of you now, you, you're not afraid. Maybe you're like, like I said, sometimes when you're broke, you love Jesus, but don't let money come into your life and then take you away. Say, Lord, help me. God bless me. God bless me to be a blessing like Abraham, but don't let me fall in love with the blessings. Let me be in love with the blesser. Jesus. Anybody here in this place say, I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. I don't want to sell out. These altars are open right now to say, I want to hold on. I want to be faithful to the end. I want to be faithful to the end. Come on, somebody step out. Really, all of us ought to be up at this altar at this time. I wish you'd just step out. I wish you'd just find a place right here and just say, Lord, help me. I don't want to sell out my faith. I don't want to sell out my godly heritage. My grandma, my grandpa prayed for me too long. My mom and dad prayed for me too long. Too many people have invested in me. And my, There's been too many Sunday school teachers, too many youth leaders that have invested in me. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Don't let us sell out. Don't let us sell out. Don't let us sell out, oh God. Oh, it's easy as college students. It's easy. One of my big prayers for our, for our church and for our area as a young people, the statistics are staggering. College students that come in, they're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost in church, and they go to college and they sell out. They believe what a liberal, godless professor tells them, and they give up the faith and the heritage that has been put in them all of their life. God, don't let it happen here. God, don't let it happen here. Every student at Mississippi State University, oh God, we pray over them that they would not sell out their heritage, that they would not sell out their godly heritage and their godly relationship. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, raise up godly men and women to teach in our schools. Raise up godly men and women to teach in our universities. I come against this spirit that is coming against the church and against the faith of our young people right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare you will raise up godly men and women, godly students, godly Professors that will stand up. Those that have felt marginalized. Those that have felt they've got to keep their mouths closed for fear of their jobs. God, I pray for a holy boldness to rise up within your people again. That students and teachers, oh God, would stand up again. In the name of Jesus, help us, strengthen us, oh God. Lord, that we will not sell out. That we will not sell out, oh God. That we will not sell our godly heritage, our godly relationship for anything. There's nothing that's worth it.
There's nothing that's worth selling out, oh Lord. There's no earthly pleasure. There's no riches. There's no position. There's no authority. There's no fame that is worth selling out. Our relationship with you, oh God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, church. Just pray. Just pray. Call out to him right now. Just call out to him right now. Even there in your seats, would you just lift your hands right now and just begin to call out. God, help us not to sell out. Help us not to give up. Help us not to quit, oh, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Strengthen us, Lord. Anoint us, oh God. Let us be the peacemakers you've called us to be. Let us be the godly men and women you've called us to be, oh Lord. Let us be the light of the world that you've called us to be. The city set on the hill that you've called us to be. God, let us. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Strength right now. Anointing right now, God. Don't let anybody sell out their anointing. Don't let anybody sell out the blessings of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wish right now, wherever you're at, in these altars, in the congregation, would you just reach over and touch somebody on the soldier's shoulder and just pray for them right now. Just pray that God would help them not to sell out. Just pray that God would help them not to sell out, that they would not sell out their heritage, that they would not sell out their godly anointing, that they would not sell out their godly relationship in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, we will not sell out. We will not quit. We will, oh, God, I'm In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Fill us afresh and anew with your spirit today. Fill us afresh and anew with your spirit today, I pray. Oh, Holy Ghost, be poured out. Be poured out. Be poured out in this house. Come on, folks, just ask him. Would you do that? Just say, Lord, fill me afresh and anew with your spirit. Fill me afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon our church. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon our families. Pour out your Holy Spirit on our city, oh, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We won't sell out. We won't sell out. We will not quit. We will not give up. We will not. We've come too far to turn back now, oh God. We've come too far to turn back now, oh Lord. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Wake us up, oh Lord. Wake us up out of our sleep and our slumber. For the bridegroom is coming to receive his bride in the name of Jesus 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. What y'all got to sing? Come on, just sing it. Who the sun sets free. Yes. Oh, it's free indeed. Yes, declare it. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Pray. 